Make a move it, then she'll call him. Forest fires, Google's ballin'. Take a chance and roll the dice one day. If you're a DM player, find you. Millennials can join this quest too. Expedition, we're gonna find a way. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks. I think someone referred to my podcast, I can't remember who it was, as Expedition to the Barrier Peak. So, so um, I, I, that, you know, I quite enjoy it when people make that mistake. I sometimes make that mistake as well. Or inversely, I call the module Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, Expedition to the... Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So, what's been going on? Oh my god, it's a month. This is a pretty crazy month for me. I just came off, literally a few days ago, came off the back of having to do a, well, having to, doing a a talk at a design conference about um, clinical behavioural therapy, or at least the rise of the clinical behavioural therapy app, which is a big thing right now. Um, And I... Um, that was fun, actually. Really good fun. I didn't think it would be any fun at all because um, you had to pre-record the talk, which was then streamed, and then you stuck around for a Q&A. And, um, and uh, it was actually really good fun. Uh, it felt all, not as exciting as doing a real public talk at a conference because I do a lot of that sort of thing. And um believe it or not i really enjoy it <laughs> i get a massive buzz out of doing it uh it's a shit ton of work um because yeah the way i the way i do it is i get a topic and i can do it for maybe 18 months it's mainly because i get bored and i want a new topic so but but coming up with a new topic is a massive amount of work and thinking and and then you have to write all the content and put together the slides and and you know whatever whatever um so um I, I i enjoy it i enjoyed it and that was fun and then we literally that day we went away on a short trip to wine country to napa the napa valley um which was beautiful gorgeous had a lovely time there i don't think there were any um euro 2020 games while i was uh, no england euro 2020 games while i was up there i don't think there was um uh, yeah, it was, so yeah, I've been enjoying the football. Uh, England are playing their semi-final tomorrow against Denmark, and this is their best opportunity probably ever to get to a final um, because Denmark are, you know, they're good, but they're not scared. They're not. Uh, they're not. They're not world class. That's for sure. Um, but they're nor England, so we will see. Obviously, they got to a final in '66, so that was their best ever chance. But, but the, let's say in my lifetime, I don't think they will ever have an opportunity like this. Possibly an opportunity to win one as good as this, because Italy and Spain are both great teams, but they're both beatable. So, yep, yep. Anyway, yeah. So it's been a week. Uh, it's been a month, and it will be a month. Because what else? What else? Uh, my 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 project at work is getting intense. It's a really interesting project, but it's getting intense. We're trying to do some hardware and software and design and coding and and building a device, and it's kind of crazy what we're trying to do in a short space of time. But that's 
I guess that's that's what we do. Um, what else? Bought a house. <laughs> yeah, I bought a house. Fucking hell. That just came out of nowhere, honestly. Crazy, crazy. Weren't intending to, but then the landlord basically said he was kicking us out because he was selling his, his house. And if we wanted to stay, he was going to put the rent up by 10%. And I was like, no, more than 10%, like 12%. And I was... And I thought, no. And then, and then I was thinking, oh, we're we going to rent somewhere else now. And, I, and then I just thought, no, why don't, why don't you know, we've been, been planning to buy something for years and never got around to it. And so did it. <laughs> did it. And we're moving in less than two, less than three weeks. And just to make matters, you know, just, just to add a few more things to my plate, I started the Storytelling Collective Write an RPG Module in a Month course. Um, this was something that Paul Fricker from from good friends of Jackson Elias he posted about this because um, he's the he's kind of the mentor I suppose not that he really meant anything but he he designed the structure of the course for the Call of Cthulhu um, module uh, there's a D&D module and there's a sort of generic RPG module I of course went to the Call of Cthulhu module so I'm, that, that, that's happening as well I'm trying to write my first ever real module and get it put put up on on, um, on a, uh, a drive through RPG um, it's it's actually really good um fun um i am cheating as always i'm cheating what i'm doing is i'm going to write up the more or less improvised part of the surrey enigma which is now concluded on grizzly peaks radio um the, the, the most of what you hear if you listen to that actual play is not in in the module um it's only really uh, the rabbis and the stuff in the in the pit <laughs> everything else is is just improvised and made up and um you know i didn't improvise it completely i actually wrote some notes um so i'm gonna turn that part into an actual module uh that you can run in in well here's the thing i'll probably try and write it as if you can run it in one or two sessions but i would never be able to run it in two sessions so good luck to whoever tries to do that but i i really um I, it's a really good course the first week, actually, we're, we're seven days in because it started on July the first. Seven, seven days in, and so far, haven't written an actual word yet. <laughs> uh, a lot of it is preparation and tools and and um, getting your documents set up in Google Docs and making sure it's accessible, a reader, you know, um, a reader accessible by putting in the right tags and headings and all that kind of stuff and alt text and, you know, learning all this stuff. And I, I think we start writing tomorrow or today or tomorrow. So it's kind of big. But yeah, I, I am a lazy person by nature. You will not guess that by listening to what I've just said. But inherently, I am a lazy person. So I am looking for shortcuts to all of these things. Either that or I'm just going, well fuck it it'll just happen that's mainly about the move you're meant to be doing all this stuff i've never bought a property in the u.s before it is insane the whole process is fucking insane what you have to do here i'm sorry americans i mean i'm not sorry for saying this i'm sorry you have to go through this it's it's crazy escrow what the fuck is escrow we don't have escrow you just you just the mortgage company just just pays the money to the seller fuck's sake or rather the seller's mortgage anyway whatever we don't have escrow we don't have to provide um tax statements going back 
a decade, pay slips from the last six months, um, evidence of any large deposits you've made or loans. Um, um, w- w- what else? Uh, your inside leg measurement, your DNA sample, your, D- your, your, your blood type, um, how many people you slept with in your entire life, uh, your favourite flavour of, um, of chewing gum, um, you know, uh, the, the, you know the, your your preferred erotic fantasy um, imagery to anyway, yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. So, um, so what I'm saying, what I'm doing is, I'm just going fuck it. That old stuff will just happen. I'm not worrying about, it. <laughs> and no doubt it will come and bite me in the ass very soon. So, the rest of this episode. Is less about me and more about you. So um, here's a an old friend who hasn't called in in quite a while. Hey Andy, it's Jules from Jules from NZ. Still listening to you, buddy. Still um, loving everything that you're putting out and all the conversations that you're having. I'm sorry I haven't called in or made contact in a while, but I'm still here and still around, just really busy. Um, I wanted to talk to you about a comment that you made that... I disagree with thoroughly. Uh, Throwaway games versus serious games. Um, I mean, mean, I I thoroughly disagree with the concept just in general. No game is throwaway at all, ever. Otherwise, what on earth are you all wasting your time doing and playing and prepping if it is throwaway, if it is garbage, if you don't want to be there or if somebody doesn't really care or whatever I care about every single game even if I know it's only a one shot or a, or a fun game with my friends also I'm just not really convinced that having a serious game like one that everybody's like you know deliberately not telling jokes and they're very seriously and earnestly in character and they've done a whole lot of research and homework to make sure that the error references are right is actually better Sometimes that's like super draining and complicated and I tune out like sometimes to that stuff, not because the DM's not amazing and not because the player's not amazing, but because it's just kind of feels like homework and it feels hard. So I'm not always convinced that serious is always better. You know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I think it depends a lot on the people you're playing with, how engaging the DM makes the game, not really the tone of it. Like I've had amazing games that are serious and amazing games that are completely and utterly made up on the spot and stupid and they were great and in actual fact I know I'm not really disagreeing with you here when I say this to you because you and I probably actually agree about this because I've listened to the episode so I actually do know I'm just kind of jesting when I'm disagreeing with you but I do feel very passionately about my stupid fun um silliness games um and those one shots that I come up with completely off my own bat and run for people at conventions and things like that they have you know they're taken very seriously by some of those people at conventions yeah judging by the rules lawyering and things that are going on so you know there's I think there's a sliding scale of what you enjoy versus what's serious or not like I guess is what I'm trying to say And 
I've just realized now I'm doing one of those big old long rambling phone-in calls that you probably won't even put on your podcast, right? Because we all know that you never actually play our messages. So why am I bothering? Anyway, uh, I'm bothering because I love you all and I just want to be part of the conversation, I guess. (laughs) And I miss you all, desperately. Um, But anyway, what else did I want to talk to you about? Oh yeah, I wanted to talk to you about... Um, published modules. You had this amazing conversation about how um, you felt like when you received this like tome of information and lore and backstory and all these NPCs and storylines that have been carefully thought out and plot hooks given to you and things and how much sort of pressure you feel to read that cover to cover to cover to really know it. I so identify with this feeling, Andy. When I realized that I was going to be running um, Ghosts of Salt March, not not just for my my little home group players of pe- friends that I love dearly, but actually um, for a a professional paid campaign, like people were going to pay me to run it for them. The pressure was even more intense than it previously was because now I felt like I really, like these are classic adventures and I need to do them justice to these people that are, that are paying me for this experience. So not only are they there for my DMing style, which they obviously enjoy or they wouldn't be there. Um, they're people that I've DMed for before, so they do actually know me and it's a bit of a, a real compliment for them to be joining a pay campaign. But like also I have to be true to the material and to the feel and, and to, the, to what they were trying to, to convey when they made these modules, you know? And the research I have done around it now is staggering. I have researched Greyhawk. I have researched what other people have done with specific bits in the modules that like aren't really like, I don't know, like they're sketched, but they're not clearly defined. And I know the idea is that that as a DM, that means you can kind of take them anywhere, these little stories, sketchy hooks and stuff. But I'm like, you know, paralyzed with indecision now because what's the best way? What did they want me to do? What did they mean when they wrote that, you know? And I've done so much research around it now. And I guess I guess that makes it better because I've got all of this backstory now and this information now that I can use. But I can guarantee you I'm not going to remember half of it or even use half of it. So, you know, uh, sometimes we, we do weird things to ourselves when we're we're trying to do the best. Anyway, I love your work, Andy. Love your podcast. Keep it up and message you again soon. Bye. And that was a wonderful set of messages from Jules. Jules from NZ. And you're absolutely right, Jules. I am a terrible person because I don't put people's messages up. I think you sent those to me about six weeks ago. I feel really bad because you put so much into that. And you knew I wasn't going to put it up. But I have put it up. Does, does a, late, a, a late response, does that, does that excuse me in some way? The birds are really loud here in, in the volcano park in Sibley. It's moist here. <laughs> so I'm sure it's, I'm, I'm going to be really out of breath. This is a really steep bit of the climb. But as I've, uh, as I've said before... July is a weird fucking time in Northern California. It, it's like October anywhere else or November. It's foggy, it's cold, it's damp. You know, at least until 12, 1, 1 o'clock in the afternoon when sometimes the sun will come out and it'll be a lovely afternoon, but yeah, the mornings are 
Yeah. It's beautiful, actually. Love it. So, Jules, I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. I love you too. And I miss hearing from you. I miss playing with you. Um, we really should try and get another game together, shouldn't we? I, I, yeah, but <laughs> those were not throwaway. And I think, I think your passion was because perhaps you might have thought that I thought our games were throwaway because they weren't part of a long campaign. And I think I, I was remiss in using the word throwaway. I don't think that's fair. But there is something about knowing that you've got a long-term commitment to a campaign that just changes your approach. I mean, it feels like that's your main, your main campaign, regardless of whether it's better or worse or, you know, and these terms are just uh, dodgy terms, but regardless of whether it's more intense, less intense, whatever, more serious, less serious, just because it's the one you've been playing for two years, it just gathers this weight of significance for you that when you play something for a few sessions it, it can't it just can't have the same significance however this has no bearing on how much fun you can have how much um how much great stuff happens at the table or anything it's just about time it's just about time my god the goats are all up here now sorry um wow i didn't realize they came up here so the, uh, we have this um, thing up here where rather than trying to cut down all the, all the kindling that will be used by wildfires later in the year, they get goats. They get goats. They fence off a large area and they set them to work. And these goats, they work. The, it is amazing how much grass goats can eat. Um, they'll go through an area that's, I don't know, like... 20 acres they'll go through it in like a day or two days or something insane like that i mean there's a lot of them hello goats there's a lot of them there's probably i don't know a couple of hundred of them but they just absolutely motor through it i often wonder where where does, where does all the shit go you think there'd be a lot more shit on these hills given how many goats there are but you don't see much anyway maybe they maybe they just keep it all in for for the evening oh and there's a sheepdog it's not a typical sheepdog it's a well it's a white dog Looks like, looks like a, a Labrador. Hello, Labrador. It's looking at me. It knows, it knows I'm talking about it. What am I talking about? I'll shut up now because there's more messages coming. Excuse me, Andy. Did I, did I hear a bit of vocal burn going on in, in your episode on the sound of horror? So you could kind of combine that gruff, gruff sound with um, with a lot of focus on uh, top trumps right? you could do that, you could become the premier top trump vocal burn podcast oh man, that initial intro was scary actually, I thought I was on the wrong podcast because it sounded like Barney Hello Andy, Spencer here. I've just had some thoughts following our conversation regarding um, slapstick comedy. And uh, we kind of, you spoke about the, the violence of it and the, the humour in the violence. 
I don't know that the humour is necessarily in, certainly not in physical injury. It's in the the injury of our pride. You know, I think there's something we recognise there, some kind of fundamental truth for all our, um, you know, airs and graces and pomposity. At the end of the day, um, we can re- be reduced to, you know, a a crumpled heap on the floor um, just because the universe doesn't behave the way we expected. Um, yeah, I just felt that was worth mentioning. Hi Andy, Safinio from Alone in the Labyrinth here. Uh, just listened to your audio horror episode. Um, actually, the story goes, <laughs> I was just catching up on my anchor back uh, backlog and I was about 10 minutes into Safer's response podcast to your episode when I realised I should probably listen to yours first to really understand what he's going on about. Um, but... Uh, Brilliant, very interesting. Couple of things you might be interested to know, you probably know already. Rusty Quills do actually do actual plays of RPGs. They did uh, a particularly enjoyable Spy one. Um, and uh, also Left Right Game, and I think also the video one, I can't forget the name, were both originally stories on the No Sleep subreddit, which is a really good mix of excellent and r- totally rubbish horror short stories. Thanks a lot. Anyway, catch up soon. Bye. Andy, great episode on the audio terror. Um, you know, horror is not my main thing here, but I've actually started listening to, even though it's a YouTube channel, it's basically just audio, um, Horror Babble. I don't know if you checked that one out. Um, they read a lot of weird tale stuff, so I've been listening to them because everybody else just does Lovecraft, but they do all the cool weird tale stuff, and uh, I tend to like Clark Ashton Smith and stuff like that better than Lovecraft. I can say that because I'm really far away and you can't, uh, can't get me over here. <laughs> but... Uh, I thought it was telling that you said that uh, actual plays are like audio dramas. It's very, very interesting. Um, I'll, I'll just let that dangle there for a second. But uh, some of these sound great. So I'm going to, uh, when I get some places I can look at it, I'm going to jump on your show notes and try to listen to some of these because they sound excellent. Because I do believe what you're saying that uh, our the mind, the picture we have in our mind is can be so much scarier. So audio or just reading is so much better than a movie to me. I, I agree with you. You do the gross out really well. Um, yeah, the other two are going to be tricky, and I think part of that is, well, tricky for the players to experience it, right? If that's what you're talking about. If you're talking about a, an audio play or an actual play where you want the listener to experience it, that's a little different. That just requires player buy-in, I think, and for them to act uh, in the appropriate way. But the thing is, if you if you can't uh, have the terror of the monster in the Call of Cthulhu scenario because everybody knows that there's going to be a monster in the Call of Cthulhu scenario. I mean, we already know that. That's meta. So I just don't know how you would do that. The out of the corner of the eye thing, I think is very possible. And I feel like that on some level, I, that's something that I use not in horror, but in gaming in general, that kind of, uh, that moment where something creeps up. And I think the way you do that is you have to give players space. Oh, got cut off. What I mean by that is I think in order for the players to get terrorized by something out of the corner of their eye, they need to fall into a lull. And that's hard to do if you are constantly pushing the story forward. I feel like you need what we'll call boring uh, moments 
for somebody to truly be surprised. If there's constantly story and there's constantly action, that's just not going to happen, um, at least not to a player, I don't believe, because you're constantly thinking about the story. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm really curious what you come up with, because I know that uh, if it's possible to do, you'll be able to do it, because, uh, as I said before, you are a great GM, and very great uh, horror GM. So, thanks, Safino, um, Daniel, uh, Spencer, Barney. Am I going to thank you for that? Don't know. Carl, did I really scare you? I think you're joking, aren't you? I don't. Did I really scare you? If I did, I'm, I'm pleased. You know, that's lightning in a bottle. Because that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, you can do a lot with with just voice, can't you? You can, you can creep people out just by saying things. I mean, you can. Well, <laughs> you certainly can. Um, yeah, you can. Now. Um, some good recommendations there as well. Yes, I am aware that Rusty Quill did actual plays. But the one I half listened to, I didn't think was very good. So I'll have to check out that Spire one, Safinho. Um, um, and yeah, I was vaguely aware of... Uh, what is it? Sleep No More? No, what's it called? I don't know. That Reddit where uh, true true horror stories um, are, are circulated. Uh, I, I really should check it out. But um, yeah, there's something... There is something powerful in both of those stories, in both the White Palace about the video, the white, vid- white, the white video, and about the left-right game. There's something inherent in the concept of those two stories. The first is about this white, unmarked videotape that, gets, that is circulated, or there's a number of them. And when you watch one of them, it starts to fuck with reality. Um, there's something powerful about that. It's it's obviously it's very similar to Ring, um, but well, I mean it's a similar concept, I suppose, to Ring. But uh, yeah, there, there's something about that, you know, that you kind of can almost feel could could be real, even though you know it can't be. And the left right game as well. It's a, it's a clearly fantastical premise that if you make an indefinite number of le- or a certain number of left and right turns, then you will end up somewhere else. But yeah, it's there's a power to them for sure. Um, and Daniel, <laughs> I know that you followed up on my recommendations because we've obviously we're in we, we talk a lot on Slack and and play a lot. And I know you didn't really like any of the things I recommended. I I think I, I seem to recall. So sorry about that. I led you astray. Um, I still think they're good though. I still like them all. <laughs> I guess we had very different tastes and. And um, yeah, I, as for Clark Ashton Smith, absolutely. He is technically a far better writer than Lovecraft. Um, but I don't think his creations are as archetypal and protean. There, there's something about Lovecraft's inventions that are now eternal. And people will forget Clark Ashton Smith. They probably already have, to be honest. But I think Lovecraft, he is now part of our part of our base culture because the things he came up with seemed to hit this indefinable core of existence and really resonate with people. And that's why Cthulhu is is everywhere now. As you said, just today we were chatting, you know, this is the kind of golden age for Call of Cthulhu as well. Um, I've just backed, rather 
pointlessly, I think, but I wanted it. I've just backed the um, second edition box set Kickstarter. Uh, the reprint, the reimagining, I suppose, or the reformatting of of second edition Call of Cthulhu, the Chaos Room have just, have just, I think, it went live like three days ago. It's now what? What is it? The seventh today. It funded in ten minutes. It's already at three hundred and fifty thousand um, it, dollars. It's it's, and I the reason I okay, it wasn't pointless. The reason I backed it for a couple of reasons. One, it's got these classic adventures that there are only some shitty PDF scans available of, and unless you want to go snuff, snuffling around eBay. Um, there's the Asylum and other tales, and there's a bunch of other stuff in there that comes with it. But also, also, I wanted to read the words of Sandy Peterson. I wanted to read his take on it, because I've never read any of that stuff. And I think there's some really important stuff in there that, that probably doesn't, probably isn't in the current rule sets. It's not about the, the rules, per se. They haven't changed significantly, or, or not really significantly. But it's more about how Peterson frames running Call of Cthulhu games that I'm interested in. Plus, of course, it's a beautiful box set with loads of maps. And, and it's got that monster chart that shows you the relative sizes, and it's got a map of Arkham now, and yeah, all that good stuff. So, um, but as to your main point, um, uh, which I'm now um, kind of grasping at, th- at uh, th- thin air, trying to remember what it was. Uh, yeah, your main point about, about um, the icky horror... Yeah, um, thank you, Daniel. I, I, I pride myself on, on being able to describe the goo, the gooey stuff pretty well. Um, I will point people to the latest episodes on Grizzly Peaks Radio of Berlin and, and Surrey where I really go to town on the um, visceral yuck stuff. Um, and and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And um, and yeah, I think you're right. Uh, what is it trying to create the fear in the player or in the listener and i think this is the crux of the matter and i do not have a clear opinion on this i mean i'm what i mean is i'm sort of a bit 50 50 that i think that if you could create fear in the players i think it would transmit to the listener but perhaps not but you can certainly simulate it so i guess it all depends on what we're trying to do are are we trying to have this true truly scary game that we play or are we are we trying to present that and literally literally right on cue the sun pokes its little face out uh, at uh, 20 to 12 it is it's weird living in a country where or or a state or or a location let's say because i guess it varies but somewhere where you can actually predict the weather um being british this is not something we can do there is no predictable predictability in british weather except that it will always rain if you're having a barbecue that's the only predictable thing there so hey tj and andy goodman really fun podcast to listen to and tj Man, you really hit on something I thought is pretty cool, is that when you said towards the end that you practice playing your character as much, are you prep playing your character, um, making that equivalent to saying how a GM preps for for their game. And I know some players do that. You can tell because they get into character. They know their character. They're pretty consistent on how their character acts. Um, it'd be great if, 
I don't know, it's a game, I know, and I'm sure when I say I wish more people took it seriously, you're probably laughing, rolling around on the ground laughing. But hey, hey, if, if you know, that's a great point. Players prepping for playing their character. I mean, for a modern horror scenario, I mean, Cabin in the Woods or any slasher flick, right? There are multiple campers that get offed by the bad. So I, maybe you have to, like, figure out a way during gameplay to isolate characters or set them up in pairs. But I think you can still do modern horror with with a bigger group. Right. So, modern horror with multiple players. Actually, um, Chaosium had a couple products. I, they were based on the camper slasher flick. Maybe that'll work for modern horror for you. Maybe not. Maybe you want less gore and more psychological drama. So, they were Blood Brothers and Blood Brothers 2. However, Stygian Fox has this one product, The Things We Leave Behind. Um, I've heard that people like that. It's more adult-themed, but also modern horror. So there you go. Hello, Andy. I just wanted to say thank you for your interview, Audio Terror Part 2, with TJ Drennan. Partly because it was just a fascinating conversation. And also because that's the first time I think I've ever heard TJ Drennan being TJ Drennan, as I always hear him in character. Um, but I really appreciated it. I really enjoyed listening to you talk about like horror and how to create that sense of dread and thinking about the sort of immersive qualities that you're looking for in what you do with audio um, and with actual play. So just thank you very, very much for the episode. Enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Game on. Hey, Andy, this is Joe over at Biggest Geekus. Uh, thanks for the message you, messages you have uh, sent our way. And I just listened to your first um, episode on terror and have to say that uh, Magnus Archives is awesome. We haven't listened to it in a while, the wife and I. Um, we were trying to find something to listen to and we're pretty dissatisfied with a lot of quote-unquote horror podcasts. I'm kind of bored with a lot of it, but the Magnus Archives is really well done. Um, not precisely scary, but very interesting, uh, a very interesting meta-narrative, and each one of the little stories they have is pretty well done in and of itself. But uh, thanks for the reminder that I need to get back on it and get, uh, get back to listening to it, though we'll probably never catch up. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Andy. It's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. You are so right about 10 Candles. Jeff has run that the past two Halloweens. And we do it online, but we sit in the dark when we do it. And I can only imagine how much fun it is in person. He's actually played it in person and said it was really awesome. So um, the couple of times I played it, one of the times I played it, one of the characters kept laughing. It's funny you guys are talking about that. And it really broke the intensity but still, the end was awesome. And the second time, there was less of that. And that is a really intense game. I think that is my favorite new Halloween tradition. So, uh, anyway, I just wanted to say, Ten Candles is a great example of that. 
thanks to Che and to Liren and to Joe from Biggest Geekers. Uh, I think we've come to a, let's say, a detente <laughs> after my uh, um, excor- excoriating one-star review of their podcast. Um, I think I need to go back and, and change that to a three-star review. I'm not, you're not going to get more than a three from me, boys. Because, you know, as long as you're doing this anti-woke MAGA stuff, um, which you're entitled to do, I'm also entitled to not give you a five because of it. Even though I think the rest of your podcast is worth a five. But, you know, no one apparently scores threes um, on podcast reviews, I've I've come to learn um, from my research. Um, People only give fives and ones, or or fours sometimes, but no one ever gives a two or a three, apparently. So maybe I can just set a new trend, eh? Now... Um, Carl, yes, things we leave behind. Shame on you, Carl. Shame on you, Carl, for not knowing my back catalogue. Not only do I know it, I have run it and made an actual play of the things we leave behind, of forget-me-not. God damn you. Not just forget-me-not, I also did um, Ladybug, Ladybug, Fly Away Home, or whatever it's called. But, uh, are you clearly either don't listen to my actual plays or you just don't know my my uh, back catalogue very well, and there's n- no criticism there but but yes um they are fantastic and talking about splitting the party i think that's a clearly a very very uh, sound idea and and i've subsequently thought you know uh it's not it's not so much about having a large group because clearly a lot of horror films are predicated on a large group that gets whittled away uh, you know the final girl that's the whole premise there is that it's the last one standing um, I, I don't think that necessarily works so well in a horror setup or in a gaming setup. Although, again, if you listen to my Blackwater Creek, that's literally exactly what happens. There is the final boy in that one. Everyone else gets killed, uh, or or worse, let's say. But but yeah, it made me um, think about something that Netflix just put out: Fear Street, nineteen ninety four, the first part of their Fear Street trilogy, which I can heartily recommend. It's a bit teeny, it's a bit scream. Um, but it's a great 1990s um, ironic wink wink slasher film made in 2021 and probably the be- probably better than Scream to be honest um, it's really well done I thoroughly enjoyed it and it gets pretty gross towards the end um, and um, yeah the, the setup there is a large group there's five of them um, uh, is it five or is it four four or five of them and uh, no it's five of them and yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but, but that, that gives you an example of how, how it can work with a larger group um, without having to do the, you know, the knocking, knocking them off every, knocking one off every 20 minutes, which, which is more the, the classic slasher film um, structure. Because I think that in a game would be annoying. Oh, not annoying, but it'd be like, okay, so you only, whoever's unlucky only gets to play the first 20 minutes and then, and then so on and so on. Uh, might work. Andy, uh, this is Randy from Biggest Geekus. Uh, you asked us to give a listen to your podcast. I have listened to you earlier, like over a year ago, and I do like it, and I've re-followed you. I don't know why I stopped, no particular reason. But I picked up on your uh, power, player power and power GMs. Dude, I got a surprise for you. You and I are kind of the same way, bro. Um, 
I kind of prefer that more discovery mode where the players kind of go along for the ride. Not a railroad, but, you know, I get in there and show them things and they learn things and they're part of that. And I have to work harder to let those players that want to be creative and affect the narrative be a part of it. That's only something I've worked at probably the last couple of years, maybe three years, playing a game called 13th Age. I don't know if you ever tried that. You'd probably like it. But anyway, keep up the good work, dude. And uh, you inspired a t-shirt. If you listen to the most recent podcast, uh, you've inspired a t-shirt at Biggest Geekus. Hopefully we'll have that uh, out soon. But anyway, thanks a lot. Keep up the good work, bud. Hey, Andy, Jason here. I'm a little behind on my podcast. Just listened to episode 350, part two of your audio terror series, where you talk to TJ Drennan. And I think some really important things are brought up there. You're talking about the, is it How We Roll, their Patreon series that you found really scary that didn't have any sound effects or anything. I think that's important. Sound effects and all can be useful if you're trying to do jump scares, but really they're not necessary. I also think there at the very end of the podcast, limiting the number of protagonists in a story and maybe adding a, a NPC player to assist the GM could be huge. So I think you really have some great ideas there, and I really look forward to the final result. You know, and if I listen to audio podcasts, I'd even listen to it. But as it is, I can't promise that. But I think the, the final result of what you guys are talking about is going to turn out to be really great. So, talk to you later. Hey, Andy, Jason here. Finally listened to 351, your interview with Spencer. Very good. The movie you're thinking of is Hereditary. Hereditary from the same person that did Midsummer, actually. Um, the same director, I should say. Um, as far as... I, I mention that because it's not in your show notes for a 351 as you promised to put there I was quite heartbroken over that as far as running a serious game it is possible I believe and I think even Barney's very capable of it even if it's not his preferred play style but the the most effective game I played where we, you know after the game you're a little bit unsettled during the game and unsettled thinking about character choice after the game or when everybody played seriously and I have experienced that. I think that's closest to horror you can get during a role-playing game. That was a game of Blacklight. I've talked about it a long time ago on my podcast. It's a mix of ICRPG and Delta Green. It's available on DriveThruRPG. It's a nice little system. But it was all played very seriously, and because of some character choices and things in scenario... You, you know, it did make you think afterwards. And, and of course, a lot of that was because of GM. But it was because it was a really good group of really good role players that took it seriously and, you know, pl- played everything out to effect. So it, it can be done. I, I don't know that it can scare you, but I think it can definitely unsettle you and make it like a good horror movie where you think about it afterwards. Think, oh, that was screwed up. You, you know, it's one of those kind of things. I think you can achieve that effect. And I look forward to your being successful at doing so. Hey Andy, this is uh, Randy from Biggest Geekus. I, I hope it's not white noise. I'm trying my computer. I hope this will work out well. I forgot which episode I had left a message for, but I had noticed that you had mentioned a lot about how you GM, and I had just seen some similarities. Um, 
and I had gone back and listened to some of your previous podcasts. I'd listened to you years ago, Zach, actually. Uh, and I think you do a bang up job, dude. Um, so anyway, um, appreciate the recent call-ins about Call Cthulhu. I am intrigued. I, I think it's impressive how you've run a campaign that long. That's pretty amazing. So anyway, hopefully this is not white noise. And if you were just saying that to be a, a little jokey, that's cool. I don't know if you just didn't come through well, but it was not a blast on you. It was actually just praising your podcast. So keep up the good work, bud. Talk to you later. So it seems like it's a biggest geekest love fest here, getting uh, calls from Randy there as well, saying uh, how he used to listen to me and then um, stopped, which I suppose is a compliment-ish, but then he started again, so we're all good, we're all good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, uh, interesting that, that we, we might have a similar GMing style. I'm, I, like you, I am trying to get away from that GM-led approach. Um, it seems to be my default. I don't think it. Um, I don't think it annoys my players too much, but maybe it does sometimes. Maybe they just don't tell me. Um, but I think there's definitely something to be said for for changing it up, for for figuring out ways in which you can be more player-led. And I think I'm starting to do it. Um, you know, this improvised stuff we've been doing uh, over the last few months, uh, spurred on by Barney. Um, is definitely helping me learn learn the ropes there because it's a new skill in a way because you have to be much more flexible. You have to be able to um, just improvise. Um, you also need to be able to shut up, which is not something I'm great at. Anyway, um, Jason also coming up with something very interesting there or picking up on something interesting. Uh, the um, You know, one of the players being an NPC... Um, that kind of assists the GM. It's not a new idea, of course. We've seen this before, and um, I, I think quite a lot, where you have two GMs, or you know, one of them playing some particular role, and the other, the other, maybe one doing doing the rules and setting and and the environment, and the other one doing the NPCs. I think that's pretty pretty common. Uh, maybe not common, but it's it's definitely something that people talk have talked about. Um, and yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it as well. And thank you for your for your praise about, um, well, you know, about, about thinking, well, confidence, your, your vote of confidence that you think I can do it. I, I hope so. I'm now looking at a picture of a cow. Uh, so uh, on this hike, there's a, like a sign here that tells you what angle to approach a cow from. Warning, don't step too far into the flight zone. You see, the cow has a blind spot at the back. Naturally, they can't see uh, behind their tail. The flight zone is is the way they're going to run <laughs> do not step into the flight zone approach them from the side so they can see you thank you anyway um right enough of that here's some more you know what i've changed my mind here's not some more because there's a bunch of calls in response to my episode about tsr um, and Ernie Gygax, and I think that needs its own its own episode because I guess we're talking about a bit more serious stuff there, and this has all been more gamey and fun and and what have you. But um, but yeah, look, thanks for everyone that called in. I am so sorry to all of you for being being so tardy and so sloppy and and not not giving you your your moment in the spotlight. Um, I do appreciate all these call-ins. Um, it's great. It's one of the reasons Anchor, for all its faults, is a great place to be. 
and and yeah um i'll see you soon it's a game we're role playing i'm a stranger and you're making mistakes